One of the greatest joys of my life has been the gift of my children. For those of you who do not know me, I have two boys, uh, Brennan and Lawson. Brennan is my oldest child. He is now a freshman in high school, and Lawson is in middle school. He's a sixth grader at Bowling Rock Elementary School. They are no longer babies or scurrying toddlers. They are growing up into young men. And while I celebrate their maturation, I also miss holding them on my chest and rocking them to sleep when they were infants. Now, I have to tell you, when they were young infants, they did not go to sleep very quickly or well, and so I learned early on that if I would just begin to preach to them, that immediately they would knock out and go to sleep. I hope that happens to none of you while I'm doing this today. I don't miss the sleepless nights. I don't miss changing dirty diapers. But I do miss reading Goodnight Moon while I held them. And I do miss wondering as I held them and rocked them to sleep, Lord, what will they be when they grow up? Isn't that what we wonder about as parents when our children are born? What they will become? Will they be like us or will they do their own thing? I find that children are a mixture of their parents. They possess both good and bad traits. And they also develop their own personalities and interests too. Some children do follow in their parents' footsteps, becoming teachers and doctors or pastors and the like, while others turn out to do things that are far from their parents' vocation. But regardless of what they do, the truth is this. God has big plans for them. So as we turn to our passage of Scripture today from Luke, we look at Zechariah's song of praise to the Lord for what God has done and is doing. You see, Zechariah is a priest from the lineage of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth is also a daughter of a priest who is a descendant of Aaron, who happened to be Moses' brother. It is very likely that their son will also be a priest too, Right? Well, one would certainly assume so, but this is not what their son, John, would become. You see, Zechariah and Elizabeth are old in age. Elizabeth was way past uh, the opportunity to bear children, but God surprised both of them with good news that they indeed would have a son. In fact, it's the angel Gabriel who encounters Zechariah while he's on the job in the temple in Jerusalem. The angel Gabriel tells Zechariah, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents' children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah had doubts about this when Gabriel told him this news, given their age, and he voiced those concerns. But in doing so, Gabriel told him that since he didn't trust and believe in him, that God would make him mute until the appropriate time. Zechariah leaves the temple and all of his friends, his priestly friends, recognize that something happened back there because he cannot talk and he's trying to talk to him with his hands. And then he goes back home after he fulfills his duty to meet his wife and 
Luke says nothing of what really transpired there, but I can only imagine that he is trying to tell Elizabeth, hey, you're going to have a baby, but he can't get out those words. And so he's using his hands and finally probably goes and writes them down on a tablet so that they can communicate with one another. Zechariah has been greeted by the Lord's angel, which has impacted him, but this greeting is going to impact them together as they prepare for this child to be born. But it is also true that Zechariah had a long time of waiting in silence. And in that time, I believe that he had a lot of time to reflect on what was transpiring through this birth. I'm curious about what he thought about during that time. Did he question what God was doing through this pregnancy? Did he envision his son being the greatest priest since Aaron? Did he wonder if John would even be a priest at all or something greater? How would he prepare the way for the Lord to lead the people of Israel? Gabriel only told him that he would be great in the sight of the Lord. It's as if Gabriel said to Zechariah, God has big plans for your son. Zechariah couldn't physically voice his thoughts, but he was able to think about them as he sat in silence, reflecting. Well, it finally came time for the baby to be born, and as was custom, he was circumcised on the eighth day, and this was God's covenant with Abraham, and John received the sign of this covenant, but it was also customary to name the child after his father or maybe even a dead relative, but they had been instructed by Gabriel the angel not to name him Zechariah or after anyone else in the family, but to name him John. So Elizabeth declares when asked what his name will be, that his name will be John, which literally means God has been gracious. And then Zechariah writes down on a tablet that his wife is correct. In that moment, immediately his mouth was opened up and his tongue was set free, and he began to speak, praising God. And all the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? And In this moment, Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit, and he bursts out into song. And the song is a song of praise, first praising God for the baby that Mary carries in her womb, He praises God for his graciousness in coming to his people to redeem them by raising up a horn of salvation in his house of his servant David. You see, Zechariah is connecting the dots. It's all coming more clearer and clearer to him that God's promise to Abraham throughout the Old Testament and the fulfillment of the prophets of what they said the Messiah would be is coming to fruition in this child that Mary carries in her womb. This baby will bring about salvation from their enemies, remembering his holy covenant with Abraham to rescue them from their enemies and to enable them to serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all their days. Zechariah has been a silent witness to Mary's visit with his wife Elizabeth and knows that God is bringing two babies into this world. Mary's son is the Messiah, the Lord, and his son will precede him and somehow prepare everyone. For his coming. And so his song turns to a song about his own child, and he sings, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, 
to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Zechariah declares to his son as he holds him in his arms, God's got big plans for you, son. However, John the Baptist will not be the star of the show. Instead, he'll be the best supporting actor who allows Jesus to shine more brightly. As the preacher's kid, he will not be a priest like his father. He will be a prophet who lives in the wilderness and calls the people of Israel to repentance. He will have only one sermon in his pocket But it's one that will pierce the hearts of many who hear it. And I have to tell you, when you preach the same sermon over and over and over again, you get pretty good at it. John will prepare Israel to receive Jesus, even though Jesus' ministry has not yet begun. For as Isaiah the prophet declares, A voice of one calling, In the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. John will declare God's forgiveness of sins calling all who hear his message to repent and to be baptized in the waters of the Jordan River. He will stand in the waters that the Israelites themselves crossed over as they entered into God's promised land. And their baptism will be a sign of repentance and will lead them to turn from their sin and to do what the Lord says is right. John will bring about a revival to Israel, but not everyone will accept his message. In fact, Herod will be angry with him for calling out his sinful marriage to his brother's wife and will ultimately have him beheaded. John's message will be faithful to God, but not always easy to hear for those who choose to walk in the darkness. He will prepare the way for Jesus. Those who find themselves in the valleys of sin, the tax collectors, the soldiers, and those with the deepest, darkest secrets, they will confess them and be baptized. The valleys will be raised up and the mountains will be made low. John's boldness against the powerful, Herod, and even the Pharisees and the Sadducees will level the playing field. The mountains of power will be made low in sight of all of the people. John will do his job. The rough ground will become level and the rugged places will become a plain as God will use him to declare the grace and the love of God, preparing them to welcome God himself. The Holy Spirit will work in his life to help those in darkness come into the light of God's love and peace. So as Zechariah praises God in song, he holds his son. Wondering how John will do all of this, but trusting that God will make it happen just as he has promised him. You know, Advent itself means coming. And so together as God's people during this season of Advent, we wait for the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who was born for us. But Advent is not just about 
the birth of Jesus. It is also about the second advent, or as we would say, the second coming of Christ. It's a time in which we also prepare ourselves for the return of the one who was born over 2,000 years ago. Jesus promised us that he would return and that no one would know the day nor the hour. He said he would come like a thief in the night, that some would be prepared, while others will be surprised and caught completely off guard. Zechariah's song reminds us of God's divine plan to save us and to rescue us so that we might serve him without fear all of our days through Jesus. But it also reminds us that like John, we too are supporting actors and actresses called to prepare the way of the Lord. Believe it or not, like John, God's got big plans for each and every one of us too. But Jesus has already come, so we stand on the other side of this story, but we are tasked with preparing ourselves and others for his glorious return. And if we look around, we recognize that there are still rugged places, rough grounds, deep valleys, and looming mountains that must be leveled. Surely we can't do this on our own. We need the help of the Holy Spirit, just like John. You see, it doesn't matter what our vocations may be. We are each called by God to declare his good news of grace and forgiveness and of salvation to all sinners. In a time devoid of civility, where anger and hatred loom like a dark cloud above us, we are called to shine the light of Christ as we love our neighbors as ourselves. And at the same time, like John, there are times in which we are called to call out the injustices in our society and to stand up for God's righteousness in the world. But we do not do so with hatred or with a sense of self-righteousness. Instead, we speak truth to power to remind the world that God desires for us to live in peace with one another and to care for the least among us. For John the Baptist will declare that anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none and to do the same with our food. He will tell the tax collectors to collect only what's required and soldiers not to extort money or accuse people falsely. Of course, this only reiterates what Jesus will preach in his famous sermon on the mount. You see, John is preparing the way for the Lord. And it's true that some of us, some of us still wonder what our children will be when they grow up. Will they follow in our footsteps or will they do something entirely different from us? The truth is, is that God calls us into various vocations. The word vocation literally means calling. And we believe that God calls us into our vocations and that God desires for each and every one of us, wherever we are, to declare his goodness, his love, and his grace in the world. We don't have to be pastors or missionaries to make a difference for the kingdom of God. John did not become a priest, as would have been expected of him. He was an introverted hippie living in the wilderness, but allowing God to use him to prepare people for Jesus. And God desires that we allow ourselves to live into his big plan for us too. Each one of us plays an important role as supporting actors and actresses in this drama that continues to unfold. And each of us play a part in preparing people for the coming of the Lord as we seek to live faithfully as God's servants, 
bearing witness to Jesus, not just with our words, but also with our deeds. You see, our success in life is not about how much money we make. It's not about how many awards we receive or how much recognition we get from people. Our success is not defined by our vocations, how many people like us, or how much we possess. No. Success, according to the Lord, is defined by the way we share Jesus, by the way we love and serve God in the world. As a pastor, I have the privilege each Sunday to stand in this pulpit and to preach the Word of God to all of you. And now to whoever logs in and watches us all over the world. It's a big responsibility. I also have the privilege to stand in the sanctuary and to marry two individuals who become one. But I also stand in this pulpit at times when families struggle with the loss of a loved one. And whenever we have a celebration of life, I can assure you that I have never done a funeral in which I have celebrated how much someone made in their life and how much they were worth or what a great CEO or person they were in regards to the standards of the world. When I meet with families who've lost a loved one, we talk about the ways in which they loved their children or their grandchildren or others in the community, the ways in which they lived out their Christian life and served the Lord. That is what is shared from the pulpit because that is what success in life is all about. It's about preparing the way of the Lord. It's about doing our part by being called by God to live as people who are called to know God and to make God known. That is how we prepare for Jesus to come again. You see, Zechariah praised God for what he was doing and what he was going to do through Jesus and through his son, John. And we too must sing a song of praise, thanking God for what he continues to do and for allowing us to be a part of his big plans too. Friends, my prayer today is that we will accept our role that God has given to us in our efforts to share the good news that we have received in Jesus Christ. So that God can comfort his people yet again and prepare a new highway for Jesus to come back in his perfect timing. Friends, may we be intentional. Intentional just like John. To recognize why we're here and who we live for. To declare the good news of Jesus Christ and the ways in which we live and serve one another. May it be so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, let us pray together. Holy God, you have called us each by name. You have given us the opportunity to know you and to serve you. And so as we go about the busyness of our lives, may we be reminded, Lord, why we're here. And so easy to get caught up in everything else and to forget you in the process. So as we continue on in this season of waiting, of Advent, renew our hearts and our minds to be intentional in the ways in which we share you 
in our daily living. Wherever you call us, wherever you place us, that together we might bear witness to your light in the world. For we ask these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And let all of God's children joyfully say, Amen.